Hi, I'm Ali Hassan, host of CBC's Laugh Out Loud. Do you like to laugh? Because we're serving up big laughs each week. We feature comedians from across Canada. You might already be fans of some of them, and others might be new discoveries. We record emerging comedians and established pros in front of live audiences all across the country, and we promise that you'll be literally laughing out loud. You can find Laugh Out Loud on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. In Lindsay Wong's house, her family did not talk about mental illness. They talked about ghosts. Lindsay will tell you about her new collection of short stories where Chinese immigrant women face off with their ghosts after they die. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. I don't know how much you think about ghosts in your day-to-day life. Lindsay Wong, she thinks about them a lot. In her family, when she was growing up, what you or I might call mental illness or depression or anxiety, they called ghosts or the woo-woo. That was the name of Lindsay's first novel. It was a memoir, strangely, really funny, and it became this big runaway hit. Lindsay has a new book. It's a collection of short stories called Tell Me Pleasant Things About Immortality. It's full of Chinese immigrant women who, once they die, really start to let it all hang out. And there's some connective tissue there about what we might really be talking about when we talk about ghosts. Tom Power spoke with Lindsay Wong about all of this recently. And just a heads up for you, the conversation touches on mental illness and on suicide. Here's their conversation. Yeah, I just think that, you know, growing up with ghosts, like, my family always talked about them. They were always afraid of ghosts, right? And, you know, and the woo-woo is, like, mental illness. And my mother, to this day, is always like, oh, be a, you should be aware of this ghost or that ghost. And I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, I'm not going to be, you know, possessed by a ghost. Um, and so it's, I've always thought about ghosts, like, as around me. Um, so I've always been interested in writing about them. Right. Yeah. For, for people who don't know you as well and people who didn't read the woo-woo, can you, can you give us a little bit of background on like what your life was like growing up? Mm-hmm. So um, my family, um, they're a traditional Chinese family. They don't believe in mental illness at all. They, don't, they think ghosts cause everything from demonic possession to cancer to illness. And, and so growing up, it was very much, you know, ghosts do this, ghosts do that. Um, be afraid of the woo-woo. How does, how does that affect you? It made me afraid, I think growing up um, and not really wanting or knowing about mental illness until, you know, I went to university and they were like, you know, um, you're really weird, Lindsay. And I'm like, okay, well, why am I weird? And then, you know, we would just have these conversations and creative writing workshops um, and people were like, have you, you know, thought about getting therapy? Have you talked to a psychiatrist? And I think that was, you know, when you first leave your family, you start to think about, you know, well, mental illness exists. You knew you were a little bit strange when you were in school. Yeah. And then, I blame my classmates. Yeah, but you're kind of told or the family doesn't really look into mm-hmm. mental illness or trauma. Yeah, and so I think that sort of became like a way for me to examine my upbringing. Um, I guess some people would say, you know, it's borderline abusive, it's borderline, you know, insane, but, you know, it was really just like what I knew growing up. And then in 2018, my aunt took the city of Vancouver hostage by trying to jump off a bridge. And that was sort of like the first time I had really thought about, okay, this is mental illness. This is what happens when we have inherited trauma and it manifests itself. When you started to like look back on that time for, to write the woo-woo, how did you end up feeling 
about the way that your family talked about ghosts as sort of a coping mechanism for really talking about mental illness? Um, I think I started to think about, you know, where they'd come from in terms of, you know, you know, their upbringing, how they had come from Hong Kong and China. Um, and I began to really see them as people. Um, you know, we don't always see eye to eye, but that's how they exist, right? And what they know of the world. Um, to this day, we don't even talk about the woo-woo. We don't talk about the book. Um, I'm sure they've read it or they know about it, but it's hard, I think, right? You, you, you were sort of looking back and going like, well, this is probably not great, the idea mm-hmm. that they would talk about ghosts and the woo-woo instead of talking about stuff like depression or stuff like anxiety or stuff like, you know, schizophrenia or like any mm-hmm. sort of any sort of mental health thing. And then something made you when you started to reflect on that and you started to look a little bit at their upbringing and how they came up, you were a little bit more forgiving. Like you were a little, you, you saw them a little bit more as just people just trying to deal with the circumstances they were given. Is, is that right? That's true. Yeah. I was, I think, very angry at them growing up. Um, and then it's really when you write a memoir, when you're forced to examine, you know, who you are in relation to your family, that's when you start to, I think, forgive people or at least understand who they are. What was it that you learned about their upbringing that made you come come to that feeling? Um, I think they had a, my mom especially had a really hard childhood growing up. Um, she had, you know, a schizophrenic grandmother. Uh, she had, you know, seven siblings. They grew up with poverty. Um, and then they came to Canada um, and they had to learn a new language, right? And they didn't always have access to um, mental health professionals. And they're very insular, I think. So for them, it was like the woo-woo was a way to survive it all. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I heard a story that when the boo came out, you you took your mom back to Hong Kong. Is that right? Well, they um, we went to Hong Kong 2019. Yeah. Um, I jokingly say that like, maybe they were like afraid people would ask them about the book. So we went to, um, I guess, hide in Hong Kong, escape with Canada <laughs> Reads. Right, it was my first time back, and you know, we just ate a lot of food, and I met people that were related to me, and it was it was a really, um, I guess, interesting experience to see them and see their villages, which had been like bulldozed. Yeah, there was like a graveyard to the school, and there was like these weird graves sticking out, and my mom would say like, "Oh yeah, we'd play with bones when we were children." And then she was just like not say anything. And I'm like, that's creepy and weird. And I think that's probably, you know, what, you know, started it all, right? This fear, right? And then where the fear manifests itself in my family. Because she'd always talk about like having to walk to school and and all the graves and the bones and being afraid all the time, right? And I think not understanding her mother who had schizophrenia, who'd probably talk to her about ghosts, right? And seeing things that weren't there. Um, and there was like no word for schizophrenia, right? Um, I don't think there's like a word for mental illness in Chinese. So um, ghosts were used to explain everything. And I think it's a fear that has like manifested itself in, 
in my mother and, and the family. How many, when you wrote the woo-woo, how many people did you think were going to read it? Oh, gosh. I thought only five people would read it, to be honest, um, including my agent. I thought no one would read it. No one would care. I would get this nice book to put on my bookshelf, and I would never have to talk about it again. Or, um, you know, I never thought anyone would care, really. You just sit down, and you're like, it's for myself, right? And and I think um, when my agent was shopping it around, we didn't have much of a response from publishers. People were like, this is too weird. It's too dark. Um, and so I, I just thought, you know, there's no audience for this book. Right. And then when do you find out that it has taken off? Um, I guess it was nominated for the Hillary Weston Prize. Um, and, and then Canada Reads. And then you're like, oh, OK, more than five people are going to read it. People are emailing me. They're asking me questions. And all of a sudden, you know, um, I have, you know, people at wanting me to read from my book. What do you do? Do you hide away? Do you... I would like to hide away. I would like to like just hide in my apartment and lie in bed and, and smoke weed. Um, and of course, you know, you sound ungrateful if you say like, I wish I, you know, I could hide, but it's, it's a different ordeal, I think. How about this? We'll make things easy on you. Can I get you to read a little bit from one of my favorite stories in the book? Sure. This is from, this is from the, uh, the Noodly Delight. To tell me a little bit about the story before we hear a little bit of it. Okay, well, um, The Newly Delight is about a grandmother who comes back from the dead to protect her grandchildren from racist schoolyard bullies. Um, I think, you know, having a family member come back from the dead is pretty much a horror story in itself. Go ahead. In our living room, Grandmama Wu has yet to become a ghost or zombie. Shithead, she shouts, waving a molding arm at me. Asshole. A ghost, I feel, wouldn't be able to call her oldest grandkids so many horrendous names. A zombie would probably just devour her grandchildren without parental consent. My little brother Ernie, whose cranium is like a GMO watermelon on account of him having too much brain sap, tries to hug her and she lets him. She bends her head, nibbles on Ernie's greasy hair like a bunny, spits out dandruff. Delicious, she announces, and lets out a wet, unholy belch. Talk to me a little bit more about the the story and where this might have come from. Yeah, I was just thinking about my own grandmother. Um, she passed away during COVID um, when we, in 2020. She was always this frightening figure for us. Um, she had um, schizophrenia, um, and the family always just said, stay away from her. She's frightening. Um, you know, if you show a sign of weakness, you're going to turn out to be like her. Um, they believe that if you cry, a ghost will possess you if you're emotionally weak. Um, so that was something, you know, we grew up thinking about, right? We just blamed her own illness on her. On her. Um, and so I thought about it and I imagined, you know, as a child being scared of this figure. Um, and I thought, what if she came back from the dead? But at the same time, you know, family, even though they scream at you, they still love you. Like Asian culture, like we yell, they yell at you all the time. Um, but I'm sure, you know, they would come back um, from the dead if I needed help. I've never seen ghosts depicted this way either. You know, like I think I'm so used to ghosts being wispy and like the Caspery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that, you know, Chinese ghosts, they would be in some kind of form, 
right? They wouldn't be whis- like whispery and caspery. They would be able to, you know, do things, right? And terrorize family members. I'm just thinking about my own family and how um, forceful they are in my life. Um, I'm sure if they came back, they wouldn't be passive. They would probably be like Grandmama Wu. Um, and also thinking um, my family's always making jokes about death, right? There's always talking about, oh, we're going to pick out our coffins. Do you want to like get a gravesite beside us? And I'm like, no, I don't want to spend eternity with you. Um, that's to my mom, right? It's a terrible idea. Um, and so plus we have ancestor worship in um, Chinese culture. So we're always burning paper money, paper houses to the dead. So the idea that, you know, the dead, they're very much like us. They're you know, they have the same wants and needs as us. Where do you think your dark sense of humor comes from? I think um, it's always been something for me to survive. Like Joan Didion, she said we need stories, you know, to tell us, to help us live. Um, so for me, laughing at something has always been a way to get through something horrible. Um, when I was diagnosed with a neurological condition, um, they told me, like, you may not be able to read, you may not be able to write. Um, and at t- that time, I was devastated. Um, and so for me, for, to look back at it and to see that absurdity in that situation, um, it was something that could help me get through um, whatever it was I was going through or writing, right? If my, even when I'm thinking, if I can't make my audience laugh at the darkest parts, then I've lost them. Can you read the dedication? Sure. For my ancestors who faced terrible and portentous horrors, I've heard the stories about surviving famine and the Japanese invasion of China and how starving villagers swap children to eat. Thanks for sparing grandma. I mean, there's the, and there's like an emoji there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a smiley face. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's the dark sense of humor right there. Yeah. I mean, we were always talking about, you know, um, at least my family's always saying like, oh, grandma survived this, you know, Japanese invasion. Um, so I think I do write a lot about family mythology. Um, and they always talk about how they had to swap children to eat or sell their children. And so um, I think it's just like a natural thing to joke about for me. Why did you want to dedicate the book to them? Um, I think the idea of our ancestors being present is something um, I've been thinking about, especially the idea of like immortality and ghosts. Like, are they around us? Um, Ancestor worship. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they would like this book. Maybe they would. There was something that came to mind to me while I was reading it where I thought about like, maybe if if you were raised in a system in which you are not given a tremendous amount of agency. Maybe being written as a ghost allows you to have some of the agency that you didn't have in life. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Especially, I think, for women of color, marginalized people, you know, you have all this inherited trauma, you're, you know, leave a country and you carry all this, you know, pain and, and memories. And as a ghost, you know, you might be free. Before we go, you mentioned that you're, you don't know how your family f- feels about these books. Yeah, we don't talk about it. You don't talk about it? We don't talk about it. Um, you know, I had to move back um, home during the pandemic yeah. um, with, you know, and no one said anything about the woo-woo. No one talked about my writing career. Um, every time I left the room, you know, they would just talk about themselves. I think they're like, they're afraid of me. Are they afraid that you're going to write about them in a book or something I like that? I think so, and maybe they're scared I'll talk about them. How, how do you feel about that? Um, at first, I thought it was 
um, it was hurtful, but then I'm like, well, it's freeing, you know, now I can say whatever I want. Because <laughs> they're not going to read it anyway. I guess not. Or if they read it, they're not going to talk about it. I will say that for like everything that we've talked about with regards to your family and your ancestors and, and all the writing you've done about them, the one thing that I really get from, I hope you don't mind me saying this, is like, is a real deep sense of love for them in all everything we've talked about, you know, like there's a deep abiding love I can feel for both your family and your and your ancestors in this work. Yeah, yeah, it's a very complex relationship, I think. Um, it's not always fun or beautiful, but I think it, it's there. Um, lovely to meet you. Yeah, thank you. You're off the hook. Okay, great. You got through it. I survived. Thank you for this. How do you feel? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't know either how I feel. I'm in one piece. Well, I really enjoyed talking to you. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I know that Very sure. kind. Congrats to them both on getting through that in, in one piece. That was Lindsay Wong's conversation with Tom Power. Lindsay's new book of short stories is called Tell Me Pleasant Things About Immortality. It's out now. And you can check out a longer version of their conversation on our YouTube channel right now. That's it for this episode of Q, but you can check out the other episode today with best-selling author Dennis Lehane, who draws on this really vivid childhood memory of seeing protests in 1974 around busing in Boston and racial segregation, something that he says he was way too young to see as a kid and inspired his latest novel. I'm Talia Schlanger, sitting in for Tom Power. See you next time. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.